Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. Uh, August 6th and 7th, which is not next weekend, but the weekend after. Uh, Hey, Rick. Um, We'll be in St. Simon's Island. (laughs) The exercise video. I don't know. Who knows? Yes, you are somebody, Beach, and you do deserve it. Um, we will be in St. Simon's for our, um, oh, thank you, Jeffrey. It's an obsidian stone. Uh, hey, Inez, um, (laughs) the Metro Mafia, you people. Uh, anyway, we will be in St. Simon's for our 15th meditation weekend. It's going to be, um, it's going to be great. It's the fourth time we've done, this will be the fourth time we've gone to St. Simon's for one of these. And uh, if you need, I'm assuming most of you watching already know what I'm talking about, but if you don't, uh, hey, Samantha, if you don't, then scroll up to the cover photo on my Facebook page and all the information is there. It's super easy. Uh, Hey, Courtney, it's super flexible. You can tailor make it to how, whatever you want. I mean, it's, it's liberty. Some people like to get together and make it more of a social event. Some people really need to get away from you just need solitude and you can you can totally tailor make it into whatever you want it to be if you want to uh, hang out with people you can if you if you need some you time nobody's going to judge you for that and um it's been amazing in the previous 14 that we've done hey mr elwood um the previous 14 that we've done every without me over explaining it everybody sort of instinctively just got that on a very uh, deep level. Everybody sort of understood. Hey, Ann, good to see you from down in the islands. Um, everybody just sort of understood that this is not a, uh, um, it, it's not a, a, it's different. It's hard to explain what the meditation weekend is. Even, even though um, I didn't really pattern it after uh, Joe Dispenza's weekend, uh, his meditations. I mean, he does his like in Honolulu and they charge thousands of dollars. But when I saw what he was doing, it did sort of inspire me to sort of, um, do a similar thing, but tailor make it to, uh, Metron. And, um, uh, I think his may be even a little more structured than ours is. Hey, Kimberly, uh, ours is basically, Show up for the sunset, show up for the sunrise. The rest of it, you do what you want to do. And some people turn it into a little mini vacation. Other people, it's it's really a spiritual pilgrimage. And it it is whatever you want it to be. Um, each one of them has been unique. Each one has had some sort of miraculous thing, something that we... we uh, consider miraculous nearly in every one of them there's been some very unusual either celestial sign or or um, weather miracle or an animal sign Uh, the the last one we did in Jekyll Island it was our 14th one and as I was um, I was standing there on the we were on a really sort of um, 
small stretch of beach. So I was having to talk really loud because we were so close to the surf. But I was talking about, hey Vicky, I was talking about the number 14 and the significance of it since that was our 14th one. And as I did, a, a flock of 14 birds flew over my head one way and then another flock of 14 birds, hey Danny, flew back the other way. And everybody was, everybody that saw it was so, uh, it, you know, taken with it and counting the birds that nobody got a picture of it. But, um, it, you know, you could say, well, that's just a really cool coincidence. Okay, fine. Uh, some of us call coincidences miracles. Einstein said there's two ways to live your life. Hey, Susan, one is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. And um, the last time we were in St. Simons, we had that amazing double rainbow that uh, manifested as we were doing our gratitude lists of 11 things. And, and it looked like a big 11 over us. Just, I don't know. They're always, they're always cool. And I'm also just... I haven't decided on a date yet because I've got to do a wedding up in Charlotte in October. So I'm still, I'm still pinning down the date, but I th I'm thinking for a fall one, for our 16th one, I may want to go back to Chattanooga. I liked, I really liked that. I liked that we could go right there on the Tennessee River and yet you still had access to the city if you wanted to do stuff. So, uh, and you know, Chattanooga is like a second home for me I, I love it there anyway so i don't know we'll look at it we've our fall meditation weekends are always really cool different they're diff they're just different than the ones in the summer the ones on the beach you know there's no way to compete with beach energy but there's mountain energy too so i'm gonna i'm sure by next week i'll have a a hard date to go ahead and give you for uh, october for our 16th one but um and then we'll be back in the theater Met, uh, Landmarks Midtown Art Cinema. We'll be back in there the first Sunday of September. Um, <clears throat> hey, Carolyn. Hey, Wellington. Good to see you. Um, let's do some affirmations. When I point to me, I say it. I point to you, you say it. The affirmations are ascended, always bringing us up to the ultimate affirmation, which, which is I am. So um, I am well. I am wellness, I am, I am peaceful, I am peace, I am, I am whole, I am wholeness, I am, I am blessed, I am a blessing, I am. Um, I am free, I am freedom, I am, I am joyful, I am joy, I am, I am happy, I am happiness, I am. Um, you get the idea, those are... Uh, Oh, did we say that right at 11? Yeah, sure is 11-11, Rhonda. Cool. And uh, let's add, let's add a, just a little bit of breath work to the affirmations. We're going to go in through the nose, hold it, and then uh, you got I am joy at 11-11. That's cool. Um, 
a lot of people text me and say, what's the deal with 11-11? I don't know, just Google it. It's, there's a zillion articles uh, online about uh, what a lot of people think is the significance of seeing that sequence of numbers uh, frequently. Um, we'll be doing a lot of intense breath work on the beach two weeks from now, but let's do just a little bit. Hey, Terry, good to see you on here. So we're going to go in through the nose, hold it, release through the mouth. Let's go in, hold. Don't just watch me breathe, breathe with me. Come on, in, out. I've done this so much now that I, I automatically feel the serenity kick in by my second breath at least. In, out. Inhale, exhale. Beautiful. I speak into this atmosphere. I say, let there be light. And declare that the words I'm about to speak to you will um, cause things to happen. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me to teach this right now. The Holy Spirit anoints your ears and your heart to receive with meekness the engrafted word that is able to save your soul. Um, all right, let's do this. So, um, earlier this week, somebody um, who I think is online with us right now, someone just texted me a, a uh, message. A lot of people text me Bible questions and stuff. And sometimes when people ask me something, it's like, I, I think I would have to write a term paper to answer that. But uh, then other people who are more tuned in to me, who have heard me for a long time, and this uh, this came from um, someone who's, I've been the voice in her life for many years. She texted me, she said, let me just ask you kind of a random question. She said, why do we, why do we pray in Jesus' name? Because it seems to me the I am um, affirmation is where the power is. She said, it just seems like a conflict to me. And um, so I messaged her back and I said, well, I don't think the, the terms are mutually exclusive because I'm, I'm coming at it from um, uh, the paradigm of Romans 8, 29, when, when Paul said we were predestined to be the, conformed to his image that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So to me, well, let me, let me, let me give you a little um, context. Like, like with, Something, something happens with Ken and me, like if his back is hurting or if there's a situation, sometimes I'll just say, I declare or we agree, boom, boom, boom. You know, I say whatever the thing is. Then there's other times, it just seems like if it's a little more serious, um, just out of, I don't know, out of sense memory, it just seems appropriate to add in the name of Jesus. It's like when I say in the name of, name of Jesus, it kind of just puts a little bit more of a, something on it it kind of supercharges it a little bit that's just in my perception um but her question 
actually got me to thinking about kind of some things I've, I've taught on all along, but I, I want to take it to another level today because it really did get me thinking like, what, what is that about? What does it mean for, for where we are now, where we are now in our spiritual evolution? What does it mean to pray in Jesus name? And also quite frankly, um, there's probably things you've prayed for in the name of Jesus that did not happen or they didn't happen as, uh, as you thought they should or would. So you, you can't approach in the name of Jesus as some magical incantation that if you, you know, if you say it seven times, it's going to happen. It, it, it doesn't work that way. So, um, this kind of opened up a, you know, Proverbs says the, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. The King James says searching the uh, innermost parts of the belly. The Hebrew actually says searching the hidden rooms of the heart. And so what that says to me is that there, there's imagery of many rooms in your heart that contain many things. And some of them have, have, have remained locked. For your entire life which is why jesus said i give you the keys plural to the kingdom it's not a key that unlocks things it's like this word unlocks that door to your heart this word unlocks that dot door to your heart this thing this event this teaching this song there's lots of keys to the kingdom lots of keys that unlock doors and you find that treasure is already there everything you have is already on the inside of you and so I answered her back and she wrote back and said yeah that sounds good uh, you know that that sounds good to my spirit but it re I couldn't stop thinking about it um, let me let me show you these two passages of scripture because I want to make sure I get these said this first one is um, John chapter 16 in, in John 14, 15, and 16, it's Jesus sort of wrapping things up with his disciples. It's, it's all these things that are spoken at the Last Supper, and he's telling them about why he has to go away, and he talks to them about the Holy Spirit coming. And, and so there, it's, you know, it's, it's an important section of the Scriptures. Um, and in verse 23 and verse 24 of the Gospel of John, I'm reading this from the Amplified Classic. When I write AMPC, the Amplified Bible came out in the 50s, and it's one of my—it's still one of my favorite translations because uh, it uses um, uh, parentheses and brackets. So the parentheses are um, uh, translation, and the brackets are commentary. But really, all translation is commentary because even if you're translating from one language to another you still have to say it a particular way translation is not an absolute it's still subjective okay so um and then a few years ago they sort of updated the amplified i still prefer the classic version but let, let me just read this because i think this these two passages i'm going to show you uh really define how in the name of Jesus and I am are synchronistic, okay? So John 16, 23 in the Amplified Classic says, and when the time, Jesus says, and when the time comes, 
you will ask nothing of me. You will need to ask me no questions. I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, that my Father will grant you whatever you ask in my name as presenting all that I am. And it's got I am in caps, the way I like to write it. Uh, capital I, capital A, cap, capital M. Let me read that last line. My Father will grant you whatever you ask in my name as presenting all that I am. Okay? And then in verse 24, he says, Up to this time, you have not asked a single thing in my name as presenting all that I am. And it does it again. It's got all that I am, capital I, capital A, capital M. Up to this time, you have not asked a single thing in my name as presenting all that I am. But now ask and keep on asking, and you will receive so that your joy, gladness, and delight may be full and complete. Okay? Now, in the traditional Pentecostal church I was raised in, uh, the Pentecost, the, the classical Pentecostals' uh, emphasis was more on experience and less on teaching. We, we were more about, you know, worshiping God and getting the Holy Ghost and shouting and dancing and all that kind of stuff. Then when the charismatic movement and especially the Word of Faith movement came in, that sort of shifted to a, a, an extra emphasis on teaching. And then it was like a, a completely different thing where people would, you know, people would fill up a, a stadium to hear one person teach. Just teach the Bible. That was kind of a new phenomenon. It was definitely new to the Pentecostals because the Pentecostals believed you had to put on a show. You know, there had to be music and instruments and hooping and hollering then when the word of faith movement came in it was all about the teaching and i remember um this isn't the only place jesus said ask in my name but it's it's to me the most dominant place in the uh gospels that he said it and um i remember during the during the teaching movement um People got very specific, even legalistic, about how you pray. Like, I can remember teachers being emphatic about saying, you don't ask God the Father, you don't ask the Holy Spirit, you pray to the Father in Jesus' name. That, was sort, that just sort of became sacrosanct. It nearly became like um, formulaic. This is how you pray. Father in Jesus' name and blah, blah, blah. And I think now, I think... I'm not saying that that's wrong. I just think it's undershooting what Jesus was really talking about. I don't think he was... Look, when Jesus said, um, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, whatever. He, I don't think he was giving them incantations to say. Because he talked about the vain repetitions of the heathen. And I think prayer is supposed to teach you something, okay? So when he says, pray to the Father which I personally believe his idea of the Father was really his higher self. But when he says, pray to the Father in my name, he's not giving you an incantation that this is the, you know, you say these words exactly this way. I think he was teaching something, okay? Um, and let me go ahead and read this other verse because I'm going to come back and refer to it. This is... Um, John chapter 14, verse 6, and I'm reading this out of the Message Bible, okay? I, the Message uh, is really good. You can get it online. I'm not in the Message. No, 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 no. 
I love the message. This is the mirror, the mirror translation. I refer to the message a lot. It was good. This is the mirror translation. Fr uh, Francois Dutois uh, did this translation, and it's really good. But John 14, 6 is where Jesus says, um, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And if you read the entire passage before chapters and verses were put in there in, uh, in the 1500s, um, basically he was, he was talking to Peter. Because in the, the end of chapter 13, uh, Peter says, they can all deny you, but I never will. And Jesus says, um, yeah, before the rooster crows tomorrow at dawn, you're going to deny me three times. But then he goes right into saying, but let, let, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. He didn't say mansions. The word mansion is not, Jesus never said the word mansion. That's somehow those guys put together to translate it into English, took the word, it's the, it's the, um, Greek word mone, which means place of ministry. And somehow they translated a room into the word mansion. Uh, it doesn't make sense to say in my father's house are many mansions. You would say in my father's house are many rooms, okay? And and really, the way I interpret in my father's house are many rooms, it's, it's a very universalist scripture. Because he's basically saying, there's lots of ways to approach God. In my fa my father's house has many rooms, and and sometimes if you're living on in one section of the house, you may not know what's going on in the room of somebody else's. But what he was in that context, he was saying to Peter, "Yeah, you're going to deny me, but don't let your heart be troubled. It's not going to disqualify you. It's not going to. You're not going to lose your room in my house." Um. And. Uh, you know, I've been doing funerals for 50 years, and I sometimes I will just quote a scripture just because it's familiar to people, and uh, and I know that what they're hearing is not what I'm meaning by this chapter, but because I'm mature, I will just say the verse of scripture because it gives them some comfort. If people want to believe they're going to go live in a mansion in heaven, I don't want to take that away from them, even though I know that's not what that's not what Jesus said. That's not anywhere in the scriptures um, so typically for funerals I've done I uh, over the years I usually will quote John 14 uh, verses 1 through 6 uh, let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go and prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am you may be also and whither I go you know and the way you know and they saith unto him Lord we know not whither thou goest and how can we know the way and Jesus saith unto them I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh to the father but by me if you had known me you would have known the father also and henceforth you know him and have seen him all right I've said it I can't tell you how many times I've opened up a funeral with John 14 and ended it with Romans 8. 
What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? And who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God. It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of the Father, who also maketh intercession for us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor rulers of the darkness, spiritual weakness, and high places, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I skipped down a couple of verses, but I'm just showing you, I know these verses. Verses. You know, over the years when some people have wanted to argue with me about a verse of scripture and they'll cut and paste it to me, I think, you you think I don't know that verse? Really? You don't think I've ever read that? But um, what, unfortunately, what has happened with John 14, 6 is people have, um, have turned it into something. They basically put words in Jesus' mouth. Because I know when I started really teaching ultimate reconciliation or Christian universalism or whatever you want to call it, people just, John 14, 6 to me, all over the place. I used to get it all the time. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And it's devolved into their meaning now is unless you become a Christian, you go to hell. That's what, that's what they hear in that. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father but by me. And fundamentalists, immature fundamentalists, have heard it to say, if, you don't, if you're not a Christian, if you don't become a Christian, you're going to go to hell. And that's so not what Jesus was talking about. But people who interpret it that way are so immature and undeveloped that you just kind of have to come, you know, you sort of have to um, appease them a little bit. Because when you argue... You know, when you argue with a child and try to give them adult log logic, it just irritates the child. So, you know, with children, you just go along with it and, and sort of agree with your adversary quickly. But um, I know that's not what Jesus was talking about. And um, there are many different translations that sort of capture the essence much closer to what he, what he actually meant than the King James Version. King James Version is beautiful and it's what we're all familiar with, but it's, it's hardly the best translation. Certainly not the authorized version, unless you lived in, in England in 1611 and James, the King of England, was your king. Uh, it's, it's not other, <laughs> the, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, New Testament was written in Greek, Jesus spoke Aramaic, uh, the Septuagint is when the Greek, the Hebrew was translated into the Greek. And then um, the King James isn't even the first English translation. The Geneva Bible was, I believe. Anyway, um, so I'm, I'm always curious to see what other better translations say about John 14, 6. And when I read it in the mirror, not the message, the mirror, uh, I was like, yes, that's the closest to what Jesus actually said that I've ever read. And this is what he says. Jesus said, my I amness mirrored in you is your way. Come on now, mirror translation. Yes, Holy Ghost. Whew. Don't make me speak in tongues up here on this roof. That's what he was saying. Jesus wasn't saying... It's me or the highway. If you, don't, if you don't accept me, it's hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back. That's not what he was saying. Because he's basically speaking to Peter when he says this. 
So when he says, King James says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, better, the closer interpretation of the Greek is, my I amness, he coins a phrase, my I am, capital I, capital A, capital M, my I amness mirrored in you is your way. This is your truth and also your life. Every single person can now come face to face with the Father entirely because of my doing. Now, um, there's lots of Jesuses. And when I say that, I mean, who, let me say it this way. When Jesus came to his disciples in Matthew um, 16, and he says, who do men say that I am? And then he says, who do you say that I am? That's a very loaded question. That's a very, that's not just a question, that's a prophetic imperative. Because basically, whichever Jesus you want to find, you can find that Jesus in the scripture because the, the scriptures were written by different people who had different relationships with Jesus. They saw him different ways. The Ku Klux Klan believed that Jesus was white and they believed that they're a Christian organization. Uh, Technically, Hitler believed that he was uh, enforcing Christianity. If you ever go to the uh, Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., uh, you'll see that there's a, they have a little exhibition where they show um, um, Martin Luther after he did the 95 Theses on the Wittenberg door. Uh, he believed that all of the, um, the Jews were going to be saved, which is his interpretation of saved was they would all become Christians. And then when that didn't happen, he turned, he said, they're all going to be damned and, and really turned against them. And that, that was not removed from Lutheran, um, the, the, the official Lutheran theology until the mid nineties. But, um, what's interesting is they trace the, the beginning of anti-Semitism in that, in that, um, exhibition that Martin Luther came from the same area of Germany that centuries later Hitler came from. And they sort of connect the dots with um, uh, Christianity. The, 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 the reason I never liked the word crusades, the, the word crusade was from, it, it was from the Spanish Inquisition when uh, Christians would go to synagogues and burn them down, burn them burned Jews alive because they believed the Jews are rejecting the gospel so we're just gonna we're just gonna burn them and um, so I know that's not who Jesus was I know Jesus wasn't white I know that um, colonizers sort of took the idea of Jesus if he wasn't black he was at least brown where he came you know he was, he was Middle Eastern if not African and um, technically we're all African because humanity traces its earliest roots back to, um, back to um, area around Uganda. But um, the Germanic artists began to paint Jesus with long blonde hair and blue eyes and fair skin. And so that sort of became a Jesus that's, I mean, it's who, you know, most, white American Christians and a lot of black American Christians think Jesus is. Um, that's not, that, that person never existed. If you're going to believe in that, if you're going to believe in blonde, 
blue-eyed Jesus, that's fine, but put him in a category with Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy and unicorns and Peter Pan, because it, it's a mythical creation. <laughs> On the other hand, I've seen this meme going around that people are saying, um, uh, the, the real Medusa didn't have snakes in her hair. That was something that white supremacists made up. They just saw a woman with uh, dreadlocks or braids and they thought it was snakes. And I'm like, look, I'm usually going with you on memes like that, but Medusa wasn't real. <laughs> there was no real Medusa. That was Greek mythology. But I digress. Um, if, you, if you try to impose logic on too many American Christians, they get real mad. They, they, they don't have an answer for you and they just get real mad and, and they call you a heretic. So you have to, you kind of have to, you know, the scripture says comfort the feeble-minded and you just have to sort of treat them as, you know, a little bit mentally ill because they've believed in something that never existed, which is why so many fundamentalist Christians are subjective to, to uh, conspiracy theories because most of their theology is a conspiracy theory. It just is. And if you believe it, namaste, but just don't try to tell me that it's real because it's not. Now, it may be real in your perception. So when I say there's lots of Jesuses, there's, you know, the Jesus that says, um, and you can find this in the, in the English version, whoever is baptized will be saved, who is not will be damned. And that's not what he says in the original, but you know, it can really boil down to two different images of Jesus. There's the Jesus of inclusion and the Jesus of exclusion. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting because in, um, in uh, John, the Gospel of John, he says, I am the door. And a door can be two different things. A door can be something that opens and lets you in, or a door can be something that's locked and let, lets you out. And I know I've read the depart from me, you curse it. I know you not. I know all that. I mean, I've, I've been teaching the gospels for 50 years and I've written a, um, a paraphrase of the four gospels available at amazon.com and on jimsuellybooks.com. It's called gospels in the now. So I'm familiar with every verse of scripture that people use to buttress their feelings about things. Basically, your Jesus is to you who you want him to be, okay? Um, I don't know if Reba's still in line here, but she, she wrote a song back in the day. It was so ahead of its time um, where it was, uh, he can be what you want him to be. And it, it, she goes through all this imagery or he, um, he's the tears of an old man's eyes, all this, you know, beautiful poetic language and she caught a lot of flack for it because you know people didn't understand poetic language and they said he can't be all those things he's Jesus and um, so it got me thinking and I'm, I'm, I haven't gotten to the meat of my teaching yet but um, <laughs> it got me thinking about all the people over the years that I've known that always wanted to make sure that your Jesus was their Jesus like uh, Howie's on right now. We, we were laughing about this the other day because he sold his cabin up in uh, Blairsville. The cabin he calls Pine Box. And Ken and I have been going up there every fall since we've been together. So we're, you know, 
We're a little melancholy about him selling it, but we understand why he did. Um, so he called me, he went up there for the closing and on the way back, he called me and, um, I was asking him how it went. And he said, he was telling me that, um, on the post he did about closing on selling his cabin, he wrote, it is finished. And that somebody came on there and wrote, that's what Jesus said. It is finished. <laughs> I said, why is it that people have to Jesus you up? Like, yeah, that's not what you were talking about. You were talking about closing. I said, I don't believe Jesus is somewhere in heaven saying, why did Howard Blood say it is finished when he's talking about his closing? Because I said that first. He stole that from me. He stole my intellectual property. I mean, like, come on. Did you really have to, did you really have to tell Howie that's what Jesus said on the cross? I mean, I'm pretty sure Howie already knew that. Or I remember years ago, my mom is kind of out of character for her, but she, something was going on in the world and she posted the lyrics out of um, uh, Let It Be, the Beatles song. And it says, uh, there will be an answer, let it be. And people were on her post saying, Jesus is the answer. I thought, oh my God, you're really gonna, you're really gonna tell my mom that Jesus is the answer? Like, how did you read into that, that she was saying that Jesus was not the answer? Um, and it, it's just interesting to me that people think that Jesus is so fragile and so paranoid and so afraid that somebody's not gonna exalt him that he's worried about somebody's Facebook post. It's just asinine. And um, I remember even when I was in Bible college, uh, when we took pastoral classes, they would say things like, um, always make sure that you play yourself down. You don't wanna be too have too much personality in the pulpit because you don't want to take the people's eyes off Jesus and put them on you. And even back then I would think, why is Jesus that easily intimidated? I mean, just cause I, you know, preach a good sermon or practice a song and sing it as, as well as I can. Really? Jesus is intimidated by that. That Jesus is afraid that I'm getting too much attention. Like is, is Jesus really that immature? Is Jesus really that, just so uh, high maintenance that you know if I'm preaching in the pulpit and he thinks people are laughing at my funny stories too much that he's Jesus is somewhere in heaven getting jealous of me like wow you've really got a pitiful Jesus what a sad little Jesus you have I mean I just honestly don't believe that on my best day I could ever intimidate Jesus. My having a large personality or having a good self-esteem in no way infringes on his glory. I mean, it's just like, like I remember, I'm sure I've said this before, but I remember I was watching, years ago I was watching TBN, very famous prophetess. You would, you would know her if I said her name. She was preaching on TBN and, and before she preached, Trinity Broadcast Network, before she preached, she goes to this elaborate prayer about Jesus, tonight I'm not gonna take your glory. I'm not gonna take your glory tonight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out the way and let you shine. I'm not gonna take it, Jesus. I'm not, no, 
no, Jesus, I'm not going to take it. And I remember watching that thinking, you know, that sounds really humble, but that prayer is the height of arrogance that you, who do you think you are that you could take God's glory away? Like, really? You think your, your sermon on a Christian network is, is endangering God's glory? Like, wow, lady, just preach your sermon and take your offering and, and get a grip. Come down off of your high horse. Like, you can't, you can't take God's glory. I mean, God is God. Who, who do you think you are that you would even have the uh, temerity? Is that a word? Uh, I was going to say a part of a man's anatomy. That you would have the guts to even think that you could take God's glory. I mean, I used to say this all the time when I would teach. I'd say, look, when I'm, when I'm really in Revelation... Revelation, you know how they say that um, genius is right next to insanity, like it's a cycle, it's a circle. Well, that's kind of the way Revelation works. Like Revelation is right next to blasphemy. So I said, sometimes when I teach some of these things, if I ever go too far with it, God could take me out. I said, if I'm ever in the middle of a sermon and I just drop over, then feel free to say, you know, we loved him, but, you know, he finally just went too far and God couldn't take it. I said, I just, I just don't, I just believe in a bigger God than that. I don't think, I don't think that God's intimidated by me. Um, so my, you know, making declarations, well, let me, let me also add that I want to make sure I say all this stuff. I remember back when I had Church in the Now, if I ever said something like if I said, I started this church in 1985, there would usually be somebody there to correct me and say, you didn't start this church, God started this church. And I would say, oh, okay, thank you, God protector. But I would usually use this uh, anecdote about the, the farmer that planted a garden and he, he was talking about his garden and somebody said, you didn't grow this garden, God did. And the farmer said, oh really? Well, you should have seen what it was like when God had it by himself. It's like, if I said I started Church in the Now, God's not in heaven going, you better give me the glory for that. I started it because he knows I worked hard and I'm not taking anything away from supernatural intervention. It's just, I don't know, crazy me. When they told me God was omnipotent, I believed it. I didn't believe he was this fragile, whiny, effeminate, immature, sad, adolescent, little God that was constantly anything you were doing talking about yourself he was going um 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 please please give me the credit please give me the credit he already knows he's God for crying out loud I mean come on religious people get a bigger God get a you need to you need to put your God in some weight training your God needs to bulk up your God needs to you need to send your your God to some self-esteem classes and some affirmation because your God's really sad and pathetic. And and so that's why... Now, what's that got to do with in the name of Jesus? Okay, here's the point. 
What's the difference between saying uh, in the name of Jesus and I am? And do you always have to tack on the in the name of Jesus to make sure Jesus gets his, his royalty? Like really, is that, is that what your Jesus devolved into? That he's that uh, micromanaging everything that's said about him? So, there's, here's, the, here's the, the point. If you believe, I, I, the initial thing I read to you was John 16, 23 and 24 out of the Amplified Classic. If your paradigm is that the only way a God in heaven could stomach you is for Jesus to die on the cross for you. If that's, if that's your idea that you were you were garbage, you were crap, you were nothing. And then Jesus died for you. And now, finally, through the blood of Jesus, through the cross, God in heaven finally looks at you and goes, well, finally, I can, I can, um, all right, I'll answer your prayer. But you better thank Jesus, because if it weren't for him, I wouldn't even have time of day for you. If that's your belief system, then you're not going to understand anything I'm saying. I believe in the cross. I believe in the atonement. I do not believe that's what Jesus came to earth to do. Jesus, when Jesus said, John 16, 23, he says, ask in my name, that was before the cross. And even when Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane, he said, look, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. The cross was a placebo. Placebos are powerful. Well, I thought the cross was to reverse the curse. The curse was a perception. God, the, the creator says to Adam and Eve, who told you you were naked? Well, if, if Adam and Eve thought they were naked or called themselves naked because the creator had given them authority on the earth, if that's what they said, then he had to, he had to make their word good. So, if I believe that the only way, let me tell you this. If you think the only way G, that God, your idea of God, a father, an omnipotent being, if that's what you believe, if you think the only way he could possibly tolerate you was because of what Jesus did on the cross, then you do not believe God is love. You believe God is transactional, okay? I believe that God loves us because God is love, not because of what Jesus did on the cross. And I believe Jesus would back me up on that. Um, when Jesus says, if there's any way, let this cup pass for me, he's basically saying, well, in this belief system that has come out of animal sacrifice and blood sacrifice, it's the only way they're going to believe that they're in the God class, then, okay, I will, I'll do it. And he did it. So kudos to Jesus. It was an amazing thing that he did. But he also told his audience take up your cross and follow me so what was he saying was he saying you've got to make atonement for sins no now if you believe in in jesus a the a jesus i'm going to give you jesus b but if you believe in jesus a then you better pray in jesus name because the only way god's even going to give you the time of day is if you're calling his name calling the name of jesus so if that's what you believe I would suggest you probably need to stay within that belief system. Otherwise, not, this prayer is not going to work for you. If, however, 
you believe, and let me, let me, I, I, knew, I always want to make this disclaimer. I believe in a virgin birth. I believe in a literal resurrection. I can, I can say everything that the Apostles' Creed says and, and completely embrace it. I do not believe that Jesus was this sacrifice for sins that was needed. And I know, I know Isaiah 53. I know all of that. I've taught all of that. I believe he was doing, he was coming into our perception because we believed we were naked. He had to change our self image. So the Jesus I believe in died on the cross. Yes, but his coming here was not just to die on the cross. It was to show us what it could be like to be in the God class. He was predestined to be, or we were predestined to be conformed to his image that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He is no longer the only begotten son. He is the firstborn son. He is the elder brother. All of us are just as much in the family, have just as much clout as the firstborn son does, okay? So I believe in the cross, but I don't believe it made God love me. I already believe God loved me. And I also believe in the cross without having to believe that I'm no good. Um, I don't think everything's just because of the mercy of God. I think some things are sowing and reaping. I think some things are karma. I think some things are, are uh, just the, the product of hard work. And I believe Jesus would back me up on that. Um, J Jesus said, you know, let me say this, and this, I, I'm not trying to take worship away from you, okay? So try to hear me with maturity. Um, when I read what John wrote on the island of Patmos, when he wrote the Revelation, it's very much about the four and twenty elders bowing down and seeing, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor. So there's a lot of worship, a lot of ex exaltation. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. I've, I've read and taught on and written on the book of Revelation. I'm familiar. But when you read the Gospels, Jesus was kind of just the opposite of that. You know, when he fed the multitudes, they came to him to make him king, and he disappeared. He split. Uh, when somebody called him good, he said, why do you call me good? There's none good but God. Even in this triumphal entry, when he comes in on a donkey, he was really making a statement. It was like he was, he was um, deliberately, for lack of a better term, humiliating himself in front of everybody, saying, don't exalt me. I came here to show you who you are. Now, some people say, well, that's a false doctrine. All right, fine. I'm sure probably in your perception, that probably is a false doctrine. Um, that's just, and I, but I, I tell you this, I'm not going to engage with you in a Bible war, but if you wanted to go head to head, I guarantee you I could show you more scriptures to prove my point than the other side of that. Meaning, when I say in Jesus' name, it's not because I think that's the only way I'm going to get through. It's because I'm like him. So when I say I am, yes, I'm saying J Jesus' name, but wait for it. I'm also saying in General Swilly's name. Now, I don't know if you're ready to hear that. 
But to me, that was the point of Jesus saying, it's necessary that I go away. He said, well, he, no, he came to die on the cross to cleanse us from our sins. Excuse me. Jesus said, now you are clean through the words that I've spoken to you. So I don't think the cross necessarily cleansed us. Jesus already said you are cleansed. Jesus already said, before he went to the cross, you read it, John chapter 12, he already says, now the God of this world is cast down. Um, he's, he already said that. I don't, I don't visualize this cosmic war going on between God and Satan. That's already, Jesus didn't even think that way. Jesus said, Satan has come to me as nothing in me. So when he says it's necessary that I go away, he was basically saying, as long as I'm here, you'll never become me. So I'm going to leave and I want you to become me. I'm going to be the firstborn among many brethren. So that, I mean, I'm not going to get legalistic about it. I mean, I'm, I, I could be praying for something later today and I may still say in Jesus name. Look, there's some things that are so in your DNA that even if you don't believe them anymore theologically, you're still going to do them. I guarantee you, I'm not going to get on a plane without touching the plane and as I'm entering and saying, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus over this plane. No effort against this plane can prosper. I could argue theologically why none of that makes any sense, but I ain't getting, I'm not going to get on that plane without saying it. It's like on Will and Grace when they said uh, they couldn't get on the plane without doing the chicken dance first. I'm not, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to saying plead the blood of Jesus. I'm just saying that's just something that I say because it's just in my DNA and it seems like it's familiar. But the, I, there is not to, to this original question, why do we still say in the name of Jesus? Why don't we just say I am? It's because it is the same thing. Because of what Jesus did, he showed us who we could be. You know, um, a few years ago, I had a little season where I worked, not, not particularly with Sun Young Moon, but with his son who did the um, Global Peace Festivals. And they flew me all over the world very treated me very well, flew me business class. I spoke, the largest crowd I ever spoke at in my life was in Seoul, Korea. And I told them from the get-go, I said, I, I like what you guys are doing with um, ecumenicalism, like bringing, because there would be rabbis there and shamans and uh, um, e imams and every religion you could think of would all be at these meetings. And I loved that. I loved the universality of that. It added a whole dimension to my ministry that I will, I, I will never not appreciate. But I told them to begin with, I said, look, I'm going to do this and I'll travel with you, but y'all need to know I'm never going to believe Reverend Moon is who you guys think he is. So just, just so you know, I'm not going to be converted to the Unification Church. Now, if you can... If you still want my voice added to what you're doing with bringing faith groups together, then I'm all about that. And we had, you know, there's a few times we had some, some, a little bit of conflict and ultimately uh, led to me sort of tapering off from them. And when I came out, that was kind of the, the last straw. But Sun Young Moon's, um, um, his whole raison d'etre was he he said he he passed away a few years ago he was in his 90s 
and was an incredible man. Uh, but he said that in 1934, Jesus appeared to him on a mountain and told him to finish his work. He said, finish the work that I did not do. I don't have any problem believing that. If you tell me Jesus appeared to you on a mountain and said, finish my work, I could believe he told Sun Young Moon that. I don't think Sun Young Moon is the only person he told that to, though. Because basically, I think he told that to all of us. I mean, come on. Jesus went so far as to say, you're actually going to do greater works than me. So that if we're, if in the name of Jesus is our ceiling, like I can't get past it, there's nothing higher than praying in the name of Jesus and hoping, hoping that'll get my message through, then you're really lowballing Jesus. Because his whole point was, I, I don't want you just to do what I did. I want you to do greater stuff. I want you to supersede me. So that if, if, if for you worshiping and standing for hours and singing songs, telling Jesus how wonderful he is, if that's cathartic for you, I'm all about it. I don't necessarily think Jesus needs it. I don't believe Jesus, I don't believe that God was so um, narcissistic that he said, I'm going to create people who are just going to tell me how wonderful I am all the time. To me, the high, if, if somebody came to Metro tomorrow and led worship, I'm, I'm fine with it. I'd have my hands up singing how great is our God. I have no problem with it. But for me personally, the greatest act of worship is when I just go display my divinity on the authority that Jesus showed me how to do it. I saw my, my big brother already did this and I saw how to do it. It wasn't about him trying to make me palatable in the mouth of God. I was already in. God already loved me. I already was created by God. That's why Paul would say things like he's the the first fruits of the dead, the, the, fir the firstborn of the dead. This idea that somebody has to always make sure we give God the glory. You're, you're, as far as I'm concerned, it's so unnecessary. God already knows who he is. Jesus already said, Jesus already said, General Willie, it's necessary that I go away because if I don't get out of your way, you're never going to realize your own divinity. You're never going to walk my walk, which to me is the ultimate definition of Christian, Christ-like. When I exercise my divinity and when I just say I am, like I, I was thinking about this this week because, you know, I told you the whole thing about the money that was... Um, she says she wasn't scamming it, but I don't know what other words you would call it. And she got the $2,000. And um, so I posted about it. I said, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I'm just telling you I'm releasing this. Because I, I need to disconnect this energetic entanglement with this woman. Who may be watching today. She watched last Sunday. Um, and so people were saying things to me. And Ken, Ken was out in... Uh, at work this week. He, I didn't see him until this weekend. But he wrote on there a really prophetic word. I, sh I shared a screenshot of it yesterday. He said, um, I believe you need to call this back just like you did when you called all your stuff back from the bottom of the river when you lost your, your stuff up in Deep Creek. And um, it was really powerful. And that has already started happening. Somebody who's watching right now, 
messaged me this week and said, I'm going to send you $2,000, and I believe that the next time I send it, there's going to be a comma on the end, and I'll be sending you even more. And I'm like, from your mouth to God's ear. And this is somebody, um, he wouldn't mind if I said his name, but this is somebody who, we've he and I have had these talks before about why, why aren't we doing these things? Why aren't we just walking like God's on the earth? Listen, well, I'm feeling the anointing on this. When Moses stood at the Red Sea and, and Pharaoh was on his tail, Moses starts praying and God tells him to shut up. God says, you don't have time to pray. What do you have in your hand? Stretch your rod out. Can I, may I suggest to you, hold on, wait for it. May I suggest to you that God didn't part the Red Sea that Moses did? Yeah, I said it. Yeah, I said it. Because I think that's what God said. Moses, what do you have in your hand? What do you have right now? Jesus said the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is within where you are in your physicality. Stretch the rod, Moses. You do it. You do it. John chapter 20, Jesus breathes on the disciples and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Whoever sins you were remit or remitted, whoever sins you retain or retain. He gave them the power to forgive sins. He basically made them God. Back to Moses, when he, a couple of chapters later, he says, Moses, I will make you as, no, no, it's not later, but it's in that same book, book of Exodus. He says, I will make you as God to Pharaoh. Not to show, he didn't try to show off God didn't try to show off his power. He tried to show off Moses' power. We've been so worried about exalting Jesus that we have forgotten that Jesus came to the earth to exalt us. He came to lift us up. Yeah, but it says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto him. Yes, that we be lifted up where he is. That's why Paul said, we are presently seated with him in heavenly places. So, if you want to go old school and say, I'm praying in the name of Jesus that this will work, fine, that's fine. You're kind of Old Testament, but okay. Or, if you want to say, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and whatever I say happens. If I speak to the mountain, it obeys me. Well, you better give God the glory. Nope. You said, well, Jesus said, I'm, I'm the vine, you're the branch. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Exactly. Because what Jesus did to show me that I could do it, I can do it. Jesus, <laughs> can I say it this way if I haven't rocked your world yet? Jesus didn't come to show God to me. Jesus came to show me that I was God. Can you handle it? <laughs> yes, I know. Lucifer, son of the morning, lifted up, was cast out. I, I know all of that. I know all of those. There's no, everything that I have just said, I could preach the anti-sermon to this and tell you every reason why what I just said is not true. So you have to judge it for yourself. Which Jesus are you going to embrace? Which Jesus are you going to celebrate? Because if you, if you need a Jesus that closes the door and excludes people from your club, that's why so many of these fundamentalist churches are so racist 
and why they uh, give in to racist conspiracy theories because their theology is racist. They, they don't even think of it as racist, but they believe that it's us versus them. I, I posted a little meme last night. Uh, it says, um, I have no interest in competing with anyone. I hope we all make it. And that's, as God is my witness, that's truly what I believe. I don't think you have to be bad for me to be good. I don't think I have to show how terrible you are to, to exalt my own righteousness. So if you need the Jesus who excludes people, then you can find him. I mean, you, you're going to have to cherry pick scriptures. But, you know, I was thinking about this this week, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to close this out, but this is quite possibly the greatest sermon, the greatest teaching I've ever done. I mean, it, it, this very well could be. I, I might have, I might have been born in the spring of 1958 just to say these words right now. If, if I didn't do anything before or after, I think what I'm saying right now is so important. This might, I, I might, you, right before your very eyes, I might be fulfilling my purpose. Um, yeah. I was thinking about this this week. At the end of the book of Revelation, you know how um, it says, I forget, it's chapter 22, I forget which verse. But he, he, ends the, he ends the revelation by saying, whoever adds anything to this book or takes anything away from this book, I will, I will remove his inheritance from the tree of life. And really, that's, it was, that wasn't John giving a spiritual ultimatum. That was, the, that was something that publishers did. It was kind of like an old school version of a copyright, basically saying, if anybody steals this material that's written, you know, a pox on your house. It, it wasn't. It wasn't God pronouncing a curse. It was. It was a publisher's. It was. It was intellectual property. It was like don't don't mess with these words that have been transcribed by the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos. But let's just say it was God saying it. Whoever adds anything or takes anything away, I will take his. Um, he will lose his inheritance of the tree of life. Heaven was not the ultimate goal. You read all the way to the end of Revelation, it's the tree of life. Um, the thing is, if you, if you have a theology that takes away from who you are uh, in God and your divine ability, your divine capability, then you do lose your, you don't go to hell, you just don't get to eat from the tree of life. The people who don't understand what I'm saying are they're living on the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Those of you that hear me right now, you are partaking of the tree of life. So that the more we walk in this, the more we fulfill Jesus saying, let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's why it seems like a small thing. Oh, I know. I, I, wait, wait, I forgot something. I forgot something. I forgot something. Back to the thing about um, what Ken wrote to me about 
calling the money back into my account uh, and connecting the dots with calling my stuff off the bottom of the river. When that happened a couple of years ago, I posted a good bit about it because it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. And everybody was just totally inspired by it. I mean, I can't tell you how much mileage I got out of it. But there was somebody, I don't even know who he is. He, we're not even friends on Facebook. He wrote on there, he said, why would you pray that God brings your stuff back from the bottom of the river? Why wouldn't you pray that God ends homelessness? Why wouldn't you pray that God feeds hungry children? Why would God care about your phone and your keys and your... Uh, all your stuff being lost. Why wouldn't he care about ending wars and stuff like that? And I, <laughs> before I deleted his comment and blocked him because I just don't have time for it, I wrote him, I said, well, actually, I didn't say that I prayed for it. I didn't pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, will you please bring my stuff back? Because frankly, I didn't think it was necessary. What I did was, hey, phone, hey, checks, Hey, um, Apple Watch, hey, everything that was in that plastic bag, you belong to me. I call you back. Well, didn't God do it? No, I did it. Now, <laughs> I'm not taking anything away from God. I guarantee you, if there's a God somewhere and God heard me say that just then, He's leaning back going, that's my boy. There, you got it. You finally got it. You didn't have to ask me for it. You didn't have to pray to me in Jesus' name. You just, you just called it and you got it. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Greater work shall you do. Well, I'm just afraid. I'm going to take away the glory from God. Please get a bigger God. Please. Just please. It's not self-aggrandizement. It's walking in your divinity. I am is the greatest declaration you can make. If you, if you want to say in the name of Jesus, fine. But understand why you're saying in the name of Jesus. You're not trying to bully God into finally doing something for you. Like, oh, I'm going to bring in the name of Jesus now. I'm going to bring in the big guns. I'm going to make you do something now. No, you already have the power. Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit. The reason your spirit stays frustrated is you've been called to do this, but you're still, you're still operating in, um, you're, you're operating in a theology that is obsolete to where you are now. You, you're, you're missing the point. You're going back, you're going back to find things aren't relevant to you now and you're still trying to pray them and they don't work I, I'll tell you this um, after counseling for half a century I've come to the conclusion that pretty much the only reason people don't receive everything they want is that they're either ignorant or they don't think they're worthy of it and something in them is in their subconscious that makes them think they don't deserve it. Um, if 
like um, I dare not speak in behalf of the black community, but just bear with me. My intentions are good here. If if black people want to use phrases like black girl magic or black love or celebrate or to say black lives matter or whatever. If you're a white person, you should you should never resent that because black people in this country were told for so long and still are by the majority that you're less than you're less than you're less than that. Yeah, you, you need to celebrate. Like I remember uh, somebody that was at church in the now who was telling me a black man who said uh, when he was a little boy, um, his mother was putting him to bed and she said, uh, he said, mom, am, am I handsome? And she says, no, baby, we're not handsome. And she was telling him, like, white people are pretty. We, we, we don't look like that. And I said, I, when he told me that, I said, oh, God, that makes me sick to my stomach. But she was, she was a product of her times. But his point in telling me, because we were talking about James Brown one day, and he said, because he was a man of a certain age, he said, I can't tell you what it meant to me the day um, I turned on the radio and I heard James Brown singing, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. And to hear those children's voices, he said, I'd never heard that before. And it just changed everything about my perception. So when people have been oppressed, they have to push back harder. You might not understand gay pride. Why do they still need gay pride? Because same-sex loving people have been so brutalized in this, in this world that they have to push back harder. It's, it's finding the sense of righteousness. Because here's my point. If you... D How can I say this? Ooh, I'm, I'm walking a line here, I understand. A sense of entitlement is usually mentioned in a negative way. Like when people have a sense of entitlement, it usually is mentioned to say it's at the exclusion of other people. Can I um, redeem that word and say, unless you have a sense of entitlement, you're never going to receive what you need to receive. You need to feel like I am entitled to abundant life. Not, not it making somebody else feel less than. Like I can feel like I'm in, entitled. It's the word title. It means I have the title. I am a son of God. I am entitled. I don't have to, I don't have to play small. I just speak it into existence. I say I am. So, that's the answer to your question. Um, you can pray in the name of Jesus as long as you understand why you're doing it. Because it's a, it's a way to remind you, Jesus told me I could do this myself. Jesus, what did he say? I give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. If I, if I go out of town, I give you the keys to my house to come in and look after things. You have the authority over my house, not me. If I throw you my car keys, you can drive my car, not me. So when Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom, he was basically saying, I'm out. I'm out. Y'all, stop praying so much and go do this now.
go do. Stop asking me for everything and start speaking things into existence. You're, you're wasting your time praying to the Father in Jesus' name. He already gave you the keys of the kingdom. And the key is, I am. Woo! Man. All right. That's all I can take. Uh, thank you for listening. I'll go read your comments now. Um, if um, you want to give to the ministry, go to bishinthenow.com, like short for bishop. It's self-explanatory. You can give. We still have overhead, and we, you know, I, when we're in the place, I still rent the building. I still, uh, I still pay the tech team, uh, whether we're in the building or not, because they do other stuff during the week. And it's not a lot, but they are compensated. And um, it's not just a salary for me. I mean, there's, and somehow we've been able to do it for eight years. It's amazing. So thank you for those of you that do that. If you want to give uh, to me personally, <laughs> one good thing now, now that um, PayPal took that deficit out that was owed to her, uh, you can give to any PayPal account now because they, they both work. Because <laughs> I'm back to zero balance. So it's all good. I look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up making so much money off of this $2,000 that was stolen from me that I, I believe when people say, how did you end up so wealthy? I say, well, somebody scammed me for two grand and I let it go. And uh, the universe just opened up. I, it, it took me into a new dimension of prosperity that I never even dreamed possible. It, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I turned it into a seed and and look what's happened. Um, and that's not taking anything away from God. God already, God's good. God already knows. God already knows he's awesome. He didn't have to meet, he didn't have to meet, he doesn't have to have me tell him 5,000 times a day. Let me explain to you this way about worship. Everybody likes a compliment. Like if somebody writes to me, Bishop, you look so young in that picture. Like somebody uh, yesterday, Ke I don't know if Kevin's on today from New York, but I posted a picture a couple of days ago and he said, you look like 60 going on 16. And I was like, yeah, heck yeah. That's great to hear. If, if there was a website that was just nothing but that, Bishop, you're handsome. Bishop, you look young. After a while, I'd be like, okay, I get it. It's, I mean, too much, a little bit of that goes a long way. You understand? So if you need to just worship, 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 worship God, that's fine. But I think he wants you to stop singing and go be him now. That's what I think. I could be wrong. But I'm not. So if you want to uh, give to me personally, you can. I'll be back up here next week. And then two weeks from now, uh, we will be in St. Simons. It's going to be awesome. I love you so much. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.